the state wants to decide for us who we should love and who not. It's like big brother. It's as if we become something dangerous. So, the crank is on. As soon as you start to turn, the organ comes alive. Uh, it, it becomes a living thing. Even when you only hear the bellows working, yeah, you hear the wind. It already starts to live. You know that there's something going to happen. We are one. Hmm? We are divided into two persons, but we are one. Yeah. I love him. He's everything to me. Leon Purley. In fact, my real name is Leon van Leeuwen, but since our company is named the Purley Organ Company, they also call me uh, Purley. And in fact, I'm quite proud about that fact because I try to maintain the business in the same high quality standards my grandfather used to maintain. And I only have four hands because my brother is also working in the factory together with me. But with four hands, you still have to do a lot of work. You have to save money to buy uh, materials, everything. Well, it, it's not too easy, but we can keep our heads above water. But we have to work hard for it. <laughs> My name is Milady Sosa Aguilera. I live here in Orgin. I'm 24 years old. I didn't grow up with the organs, but I still can remember my grandfather always saying that organs music is the best music. And when I was a teenager, people had a tendency to listen to American music, rock, not organs music. And sometimes we were a little ashamed. When we wanted to listen to an organ, people would laugh. Eh? People think you're lagging behind. Here's one forgotten. Uh, an organ book uh, is made of zigzag folded cardboard. It has to be punched with holes in a certain uh, pattern. And this pattern is the music which the organ will play. When a hole in the book passes over one of the keys, the key will jump up in the hole and the 
note in the organ, which is connected with this particular key, will start to sound, and then the pipes will start to speak. Every music book is a personality on its own because of the music which is on it. And most of the music which has been written uh, deals about love. So, I think that's good. So now I first have to start the organ and then I can put in the music book. That's the melody from the film, True Love. I think it was with Dean Martin. Okay, let's start the organ. time of the foundation of the factory, the Jordaan, in the city of Amsterdam, was a neighborhood of workers, artists, also poor families. People don't have enough income to go to a theater or music performances. So an organ in the street was a big party. And the same thing happened in Cuba. I knew that there was an organ culture in Cuba. The history dates from about 1886. And I always hoped once to have the opportunity to go to Cuba and to find out what was going on there. I hardly spoke to anybody about it because I wanted to keep it for myself. <laughs> so finally in 1995 I got to Cuba. standing at Guadalavaca beach, white sands, uh, blue sea, blue sky, people in uh, swimming suits, bikinis, yeah, it's very nice. And there is a big uh, open air tent with a small concrete stage and there was put an organ with a battery of percussions next to it. Five people playing conga, bongo, timbales, uh, just name it. <laughs> it was so impressed by it because it was just like a real orchestra which was playing. That was marvelous. My uncle, the one who works in the organ factory, told me that there was a crew from Holland who was going to be at the factory. They were interested in organs. 
and he was really excited about that. They were going to have a party for those persons. He invited me to go there, but he said that I couldn't speak English. I was a little afraid. I didn't dare to talk to any foreigner. And then I think he said at the factory that I could help translating. He insisted, and I didn't want to be unpolite. And I went with him to the factory. <laughs> I am sitting on a table with my uncle, having fun, drinking. And then all of a sudden I see that big man, white skin. Ah, that look in his face, like a child. And I thought my heart starts to beat faster. I'm looking at him, only looking at him, wishing that he can feel my, my sight on his back and he will look back to me. But I am too far from him. Huh? He won't see me anyway because there are many other girls prettier than me. I was I'm thinking, I, I won't win. There came a man towards me. He tried to start a conversation, but uh, he found out that my Spanish was just as good as his English. He asked me to wait, and he came back with a young lady with sunglasses on, and it came out that she was his niece. I took my glasses up. I'm looking into his eyes. Something was happening in him. It's the same that's happening inside me. I could see it in his eyes. From the first moment she took off her glasses, I felt like coming home. Everything fell in its place. My soul was complete. It was just love at first sight. I just knew I was in love. <laughs> We were talking, it was so nice talking, it was like if I had known him my whole life. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> I was forced to leave there because we had to be on time at the airport. So I tried to extend the time of leaving as long as possible, but they were calling me and saying, come on, Prolly, we have to go, the airplane is waiting and... Yeah, 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 it's okay, I'm coming. Five minutes later, Prolly, come on now. We have to go. I saw the car leaving and he was looking back and saying goodbye. I hoped she would ride me, but I but it was still unexpected. And I was happy about it because I hoped it was not just uh, something which lasted one day, uh, at least not for my feelings. Uh, I was sure about my case, but 
Of course, you never can look into the soul uh, of another person. Cuba, August 31st, 1995. Dear Perle, first of all, my most sincere greetings for you and my wishes of prosperity. For beginning this letter, I will tell you that I have missed you as if I would have met you since my childhood. Referring to me, I'm 21 years old, I study at the Training Teachers College, so I will be a teacher soon. I enjoy dancing, reading, having new friends, traveling here in Cuba. It will be very nice to hear about you and your country. I know that in spite of being a small country, it's nice. Besides that, there is produced a delicious butter. My friend, you are not going to believe that I keep the postcard you gave me in a place where I can take a glance at it every time. It really brings good memories. Take care of yourself and write soon. Kisses sincerely, miladies. So, <laughs> I hope for it and, well, it, it's something which you can touch, you can read it again and... That was one of the best moments in my life. Dear Miladis, thanks for the nice letter. I received your letter the 10th of October. There is something on its way for you. Hope you like it. Love and kisses, Leah. And when he said there is something on its way for you, he meant mucho corazón. This is a music book he arranged with love for me. And the first page, you can see how he dedicated wrote four Milades from Leon with love. It was in September, 95, in Amsterdam. The rest is just a piece of cardboard full of holes. <laughs> he can read it, I can't. And I didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> But I don't have an organ, I have to go to the factory. This is the tune. Uh -huh. Arranged it especially for me ladies just out of love and I liked the music. I, I didn't understand the words exactly because at that time my Spanish was just as good as my Chinese, so <clears throat> you can't imagine. But uh, only the title of the piece uh, was enough for me, Mucho Corazón, and that's what I just felt. Mucho Corazón, with a lot of heart. I heard it, I liked it. I could recognize the, the tuna. It was Benny Moret used to sing that song, and Benny Moret is a Cuban musician, one of the best. These are the words to Mucho Corazón. Dice en contraste en tu pasado 
una razón para quererme o para olvidarme. Say if you found in your past a reason to love me or to forget me. I don't need a reason to love you because my heart is so big. Yo para querer no necesito una razón. Me sobra mucho, pero mucho corazón. Okin, September 23rd, 1995. Dear Leon, I September 1995. To be sincere, I have read it more than six times today, and now I decided to write back to you. Believing that you think of me too was one of the best things that could have happened to me. Dear, dear Miralis, would you believe me as I told you that every night before I go to sleep and in the mornings when I uprise, I kiss your name on the letter? So, you have to write back very soon because it's wearing out very rapidly. And my mother is willing to meet the man who has excited me so much. She is sure he has to be a special one. And she is not mistaken. <laughs> Since I got back to Amsterdam, not one day passed by without thinking of you and how it would be if I could show you my country instead of writing about it. Who knows what the future might bring. Can you imagine how I would feel if you came here again? Please, if possible, do it as soon as you can. It'll be great. Kisses, me ladies. A thousand kisses. The second time I went to Olguin was December 1995. Uh, I was scared because I didn't know what to expect from a man who lives in a developed country. I didn't know what he could expect from a girl from a small city in a poor country. Hmm? I was really nervous. We didn't know anything about each other. It was just some letters. And Sounds stupid, perhaps, but I was really nervous uh, to meet her again. I went to the airport. <laughs> I saw him. I walked towards them. And Miladis, she laid her hand on the window. And I put my hand also against the window. And they were laughing because I have quite big hands. And her hands are rather small. It, it, it looked like as if there was a baby hand laying in my hand. <laughs> he was shaking. <laughs> Oh, his body was shaking. I could feel it when he took me in his arms. Well, I tried to, to give her a kiss in the taxi, but even that didn't work. <laughs> she, she was just like a, a shy bird. <laughs> <laughs> I was voiceless. Huh? I couldn't say a word. He tried, but he was also nervous. They took me to my house, 
and I told my mother, oh mama, I'm, I'm dying, I'm, I don't know what's happening. It was something completely new, what I was feeling since I met him. I couldn't explain it. I couldn't sleep that night. And I was afraid also because many girls were going out with foreigners for money. That was not my case. But I was afraid he and the rest of the people could think that. At one particular night we went out together uh, having some drinks at some bars. We were going hand by hand, talking. We had had a nice night. There was a couple behind us. There was a young man with a girl. He said, Tu fucky fucky, conmigo yo compro. I said, if you have sex with him, he will buy. I got quite angry about it and I wanted to go after them. But Miladis was keeping me from doing that. She felt proud that I wanted to defend her. But uh, it's a problem of policy, eh? country. Every person thinks when they see a girl with a foreigner, she's a prostitute. It's because many persons have lost their values in Cubans and they go after foreigners asking for money. I understand why they do it. People get desperate. The effect of the United States embargo in Cuba on people's daily life it's hard at the moment, it's very hard. Of course, income is very low. And sometimes people don't have to eat for one or more days. Girls, young girls, there are many who already have kids and they don't have anything to give them for dinner. They use their body to earn money. I, I don't know about this embargo. Because I can't imagine what kind of danger Cuba could be to the world. It's just a small country and... I don't think they are out to conquer the world. At the university, when I started my relation with Leon, everybody knew about it. My classmates were saying that I shouldn't keep that relation because people were saying that I was a prostitute just because I had a relation with a foreigner. And then they changed towards me. It was like if I became someone else. It was like if I was betraying my country. I stayed there till the 29th of December. I was there two weeks. I still have the flight ticket. And as the plane left, I had problems to keep my eyes dry, so... These are the words to the sun, don't leave me alone again. If you knew how I suffer when you go away from me, if you knew how I only live thinking of you, you'd come back to me, my dear love, mi amor querido. Vuelve pronto, que necesito tenerte junto a mí. 
don't leave me alone again. Look how I'm dying for you. At that time there was no light, it, it, was, it was very... It was a very dark period of my life and I couldn't stand to my promises that I would be there on February. Then I extended the promise till, uh, I think, May. And every time, yeah, I will be there, but every time I had the excuse again because income was not that way that I could live just like that. Most tourists who go to Cuba are quite well to do or have steady jobs with a steady income. And it's hard to explain that you can have many troubles. You have to take care about your company to save it from going under. Incomes were quite low, but I didn't know how to explain that to her and I felt actually ashamed about it. I thought many things. I thought maybe he was just a tourist who came here to have fun. Huh? I regret what I thought, but I thought that I didn't have any any idea about his life or anything. What I had in mind was an European saying that he couldn't come for me. Huh? They didn't have that kind of problems. For me it was another like another world. Huh? And I thought perhaps I'm not what he needs. But at a certain moment I felt so miserable and I didn't know what to find, uh, what to write down anymore in my letters, uh, excusing myself about not being able to come over to Cuba and to be with her. Uh, I was so depressed and so... Yeah. I don't know if, if it's self-pitying or whatever, but I wasn't able to cope completely with the situation and I didn't want to tell her about that because I didn't want to make uh, a bad impression. And I felt so miserable that, uh, stupidly enough, I didn't write her for about three months. I I said my house I don't want to to listen to his name again I don't want anything that has to do with him I'm too young to suffer this way I want to forget him December 19th, 1996 Dear Leon, hearing from you was a big surprise for me. To tell you the truth, I thought you'd never write again. Indeed, there have been no change in my feelings, although I had decided not to write to you again and to forget about our relation because I have already cried too much because you do not write. I too have tried not to think too much of you. But I failed because my heart was stronger and words right over my soul. Do you think you are the only one who have problems? No, you are right. 
I have lots of problems and I have to keep on. I have people saying whatever they want about me, asking very personal questions. I have even to stand them saying that I'm a stupid bitch because I still think of you. I have not been able to sleep yet because of a painful guilty conscience over a terrible time you have had because of me. Remember that love is like a plant that needs to be watered every day. Lots of luck and happiness and I suggest you to cheer up. This is not the end of life. My ladies. If you think of coming before April, let me know it beforehand. Yes, my dearest, dearest piece of gold. It's so sweet. <laughs> I miss so much your mouth, uh, your words, your kisses, <laughs> your big hands, and in fact, I miss you all. It's crazy. <laughs> even rode from the plane. Honey, you can tell to your mother that I'm loving you more than before. I'll kiss you in exactly three hours. I love you forever. I already decided to ask Miladis to become my wife the first time I saw her, but I didn't do so until I thought time was right for it. We were walking around the city. It was afternoon. We decided to sit down in Parque San Jose. We were drinking Bavaria, a Dutch beer. And we were just talking. At a certain moment I said to her, what would you think about the idea to be my wife? And she said, of course. I want to marry you. And I asked him, can you say it again? Can you ask again? And so I repeated my question. I said, do you want to become my wife and live with me? After she got back her breath, she said yes and started crying. <laughs> so I had to wait again for the rest of the answer. But I can tell that uh, it was very encouraging uh, what happened. Uh, we kissed. <laughs> I was living in a, in a cloud. Huh? We were both together living in a cloud. That is impossible. Because our country is rather full. I invited her to come here in March last year. That is impossible. If they don't have enough income. The request was denied by the authorities. It took them about two or three months to come out with the answer. It had to do with uh, a stupid mistake with which I made myself, because I wrote in the visa request that I wanted to invite my girlfriend to visit me at my house and that she could stay longer with me here. I never should have done that. That's why the request was denied. With the Cuban government, it's no problem. 
she has permission, uh, the permissions which she needs to leave the country. But here in Holland, in fact in Europe, uh, it's getting harder and harder every day to have permits for strangers who want to come in to the fortress of Europe. I'm Nana Haspels and I'm working at the Dutch Immigration Board and that's part of the Ministry of Justice in the Netherlands. And I make policies on admittance. Yeah, well, um, immigration is uh, always a hot topic and um, in the Netherlands we have a restrictive admittance policy because we are just a small country, we don't have a lot of space and uh, not enough jobs. And that's why we are um, uh, carrying out a restrictive policy. That means that um, there are strict, very strict uh, rules for application. When you are in love, you don't think about politics. Eh? You think uh, just like humans without any borders, without authorities, because actually every political system means a prison for people. I took my ladies to Havana, to the embassy, the Dutch embassy trying to get things going one way or the other. We went to Havana by train. The trip was terrible because the train took 22 hours to get from here to Havana. We expected the trip would be shorter. Everything was just the other way around. It feels very frustrating because she is not just a peasant which comes from the country knowing nothing and come, coming into Holland uh, without papers and asking for asylum. Okay, she comes from a poor country, but it doesn't mean that uh, we want to go around the laws. The laws are for everybody. So we went there and we went to the embassy I told the woman that uh, he had invited me more than six months ago and that my visa had been denied and that we were there to see if there was anything else we could do because he wanted to take me to Holland. And I told her that we were engaged, but I think it means nothing to them. No? My name is Joke Zuidweek. I am second secretary in the Netherlands Embassy here in Havana, Cuba. Now, with Cubans, we might suppose that there are a lot of women, particularly, that try to uh, catch a Dutchman, you know, to get away from the country. You know, the, 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 they get married, and then they, as soon as they arrive in the European Union, they, the women, they disappear in the illegality, or in prostitution, for that matter. Well, I really felt ashamed. And of course, my lady started crying and she was desperate, and so was I. 
we are a very cold and legal uh, office and we do that because we want to be the same to every person. So we just look at the rules and whether they are in love <laughs> is not really a criterion. Anyway, you can invite a Cuban person to the Netherlands if you comply with the requirements of the Dutch authorities. It only costs you a lot of money. The person who is inviting, in this case the Dutch husband, has to prove enough income to um, maintain the Cuban partner in the Netherlands. That means that the rules are strict and the rule of income is a very strong rule. Oh yeah, and I know of one particular case here in, in Havana that uh, a Dutchman got married here to a Cuban he did not have a job in Holland and therefore he did not have income in the Netherlands and the visa was refused. The problem which I have uh, towards the authorities is that I can't show them on paper that I have a basic income. And I can't show that on paper yet. In Cuba, uh, at the time as I met her, uh, Miladis was studying at the university to become a teacher. But since the time she left school, she had a lot of problems because she couldn't get any job. And well, she has been feeling quite miserable. I'm not an example to follow in school. Teachers has to be an example. And if I'm the teacher and I have a relation with a foreigner, the students will learn from me. So I'm not an example to follow. I cannot be in a classroom teaching. Here there are rules. To work in certain places, you cannot have any kind of relation with foreigners. Of course, they don't say it. But if they, when they find out, when they make an investigation, if they find out that you have a relation with a foreigner, you better quit. You, you, you cannot be there. The state wants to decide for us who we should love and who not. Uh, it, it, it's, it's like uh, super control, big brother. I decide with who you will live, and you have no voice in it. And I don't care if your love is real or not, but I, I say that you can't, and that's it. Uh, this is the nightmare script from George Orwell, from 1984. I'm not a stupid girl from the street. I have studied a lot. And now I feel that my knowledge is just, uh, I'm losing, because I'm, I'm not using anything, I'm not thinking. I would like to work at the airport, for example, guiding foreigners, and that's something I would like to do. And I could do it. I have many classmates who have gone to the airport to work, and they are there, but if they find out I, I am with a foreigner, I cannot be there. 
it's as if we become something dangerous. I'm saying this always, even kijken. It means let's, let's uh, have a look. She was always teasing me with this. At a certain moment she started saying, even kijken. <laughs> in, in real Jordan dialect. Okay, here we go. My dear Leon, how are you? I hope everything is okay. Leon, I'm missing you very much. I had never thought I could miss someone this way. Sometimes I feel like running and going to the place where you are, but it's impossible. I can only cry, look at the pictures, read your letters, or think that maybe at that same time you are thinking about me. It comforts me. This was a present from, from him. He brought it in December and he came. It's a music box with the shape of an organ. It's a nice present, I give it with love. And the tune, it's a tulips from Amsterdam. I love him. He's everything to me. And I know he loves me. Yeah? <laughs> I miss him a lot. Every day, every minute, every second. <laughs> and I will be patient now. We will wait. And we will be together. I hope it's soon. <laughs> <laughs>